Yeah, so welcome to our first session of the podcast Standardize, where we investigate how standards play a role in everyone's lives. And so right now we're in very hot and sunny Scottsdale, Arizona, at the American Society of Mechanical Engineers Bioprocessing Equipment Standard Committee meeting. And so by the end of the session, you'll know a lot about this standard because we're sitting here with Ken Kimbrell. He's the current chairperson of the ASMEBP committee. And so in your own words, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to be chairperson? Sure. Uh, well, I've been involved in uh, BPE standards since, oh, gee whiz, I can't remember the, the year date, but uh, for about 22, 23 years now. Um, I think it was my fifth or sixth meeting that uh, we started discussing uh, developing a group called the Metallic Materials of Construction Group, which was uh, the BPE standard had always been uh, positioned around 316L stainless steel, and as corrosion issues started taking more, a more prominent role in buffer solutions and they started having more issues, we started looking at higher alloys uh, to bring into the standard to fabricate equipment out of. Uh, it just so happened at the time I was working in the field of corrosion offering higher alloy materials. So I started coming to the BPE meetings in order to try to advance uh, the standard into that direction. Um, so after a few meetings, we decided that there was definitely a need uh, for that to be addressed. So we developed a subcommittee called Metallic Materials of Construction. And I was offered at that time to head up that subcommittee. Uh, and so we developed that section part of Metallic Materials of Construction for BPE standard. Uh, so you, it basically took from the time we had our very first meeting until we about five years later when we actually finally got that section into the standard. I never really had an intention or a desire to run for BPE chair. It was more of a situation that uh, um, I was asked if it would be something I would consider and something I would be interested in. I personally never thought I was qualified to be a BPE chair. Uh, it was one of those situations that typically a person coming from a background that I came from, which was more or less working in component rather than systems, uh, wasn't really, in my mind, what a BPE chair uh, should be. They should have a better feeling for the entire component system, or, or the, the system design aspect of it, rather, and how everything worked together, where my focus was more on materials and surface finish remediation and those types of things. So I really struggled with, with the decision as to whether or not to run for BPE chair. And uh, I finally, uh, my wife of all people said, well, what would this mean to you if you, you did this? And I said, well, I said, honestly, it would be the, uh, the crowning jewel of my career, I think, if I did this. And she said, well, you should probably throw your hat in the ring. So I did. Uh, with never thinking that I would be elected, uh, but I was, and uh, so here we are, you know, six years later, and uh, um, I'm coming to the end of my second term, and uh, I'm going to be stepping back then, and finally get uh, to sit in the cheap seats where I can, can enjoy the meetings and just do some of the grunt work rather than being up front and uh, having the responsibility of pushing things through. Uh, as far as my background, I'm an old uh, draftsman, so I started off my career on the drafting board in engineering. And uh, so I, I did that for several years for a company that did oil and gas equipment. 
in the 1970s, there was a layoff in, the, in that industry, and I happened to be one of those people that got caught uh, and was offered to move to Houston, and I had no desire, so I left and uh, found a job uh, working in the sanitary bioprocessing industry for equipment that, uh, for tank, manufacturing tanks. And so uh, that led to my getting involved in bioprocessing. And so now here I am, all these years later, still involved, and it was probably one of the better moves of my entire career. So what responsibilities do you have here? So my main responsibility is to make sure the standard gets published on time. Uh, so as BP chair, uh, basically what that means is I'm, I'm the chairman of the standards committee. So the way the subcommittees work is that uh, it's made up of different subcommittees uh, that are responsible for different sections within the book. They develop the content at those subcommittee levels that are voted on at the subcommittee. Once they're voted on there, then they go to the standards committee for final approval. So it goes through a two-step process, more or less, of going through uh, approval. The standards committee are made up, is made up of industry experts that are very familiar with most of the context of, of the industry and the requirements for the standards. So every item that is balloted is reviewed and gone through a, a vote by the standards committee. Um, so, realistically, my role uh, is I'm chairman of the standards committee and responsible for that. Uh, but it goes a little bit further in the fact that you're not only responsible for the publication of the standard, but then you also are re responsible for keeping things like the balance of interest correct within the committees. Uh, you don't want too many of, of end users as compared to suppliers and those types of things. So when it comes to uh, allowing members uh, that's one of the things that we really look at is the, uh, you know, keeping the balance correct so that you have a good consensus uh, around it. And then, of course, you know, like, like any large group, uh, there's always some refereeing that has to, has to go on. Yeah. And it eventually comes to my plate to be able to have to, to handle those types of situations. You know, if anything comes up and, and there's issues uh, that we're always having issues. But, uh, you know, when you have a, a group of 300 people together, uh, you know you're going to have issues. So, sure. yeah. but uh, but really realistically, the main role is to make sure that the publication gets published and out on time. So what kind of standard is this? So the ASME BPE, is, as you stated earlier, it stands for the bioprocessing equipment. So what the bioprocessing equipment does is we are not a code; we are a guideline, and a guideline actually gives us a little bit more leeway than we actually would have with a code because we can put a few things in that the code really does not allow. Bioprocessing equipment develops content for the design of equipment used in the bioprocessing industry and that can include uh, drugs, it can include uh, bio, uh, cosmeceuticals and those types of things. Basically anything that you put in or on your body can go through this particular equipment. So uh, you know it, it really affects everybody's life and so what we do is we want to make sure that that equipment is designed for cleanability and sterility so that you put out a, a product that is going to be safe for uh, consuming and also for topical use. So with that being said, the standard develops design criteria to make sure that that equipment is cleanable and sterilable, sterilizable so that it can uh, stay safe and you're putting out a healthy product. So when you really stop and think along the lines that that anything that you 
can put on you or in you is goes through this equipment. What this group does in developing those standards affects everybody's daily life. But you know, a great example of how it affects the society right now is just what we went through with COVID. Um, you know, our, our member companies uh, are, are the large uh, pharmaceutical uh, companies that developed the drugs for the COVID uh, vaccines. Uh, the, the only way that that was able to get to be manufactured and out as quickly as it was is through the, the use of bioprocessing equipment that was developed through single-use processes. Uh, so the single-use sections that we currently have now uh, and that we, we're in the development of writing some of those new standards uh, was developed with, it, with that type of equipment. Uh, so how did it affect uh, everybody in that particular time is the Moderna vaccine and the uh, Pfizer vaccines were all manufactured through the equipment that we processed, that we developed the standards for, and those companies are members of our particular industry uh, that use the BPE standard. So, you know, it, it affects everybody in, in a way that's... Uh, uh, you can't imagine, you know. Uh, another way is we have members uh, here uh, that uh, have had cancer and those types of things. Uh, you know, all the cancer drugs and different things that, that people use go through the same type of equipment and bioprocessing. So, you know, without that sterilization and, and cleaning and being able to manufacture that equipment uh, correctly, uh, you know, we, we save lives is the bottom line. This industry and this code or this standard saves lives and it and I have personally seen that in my own uh, life in the fact that my son uh, had uh, had cancer when he was 11 years old and the drug that he took uh, came uh, from one of our member companies so you know it was one of those situations that it benefited me personally so it, it and you know it's one of those things that whenever you, you don't think about about the, the the medicines and things that you take, you just take it. You know, you don't think about how it gets from, you know, a powder form or you know some kind of a of a uh, particle to a finished product that's on the shelf. But uh, it's a process, you know, and there's a lot of money involved in developing those processes. Yeah. So, you know, most people don't understand that whenever a drug manufacturer develops a drug. What typically will happen is it, it takes several years for that in development to go. People are always complaining about the price of drugs and the fact how high they are, and they're trying to blame the large pharmaceutical companies. But in most cases, whenever a pharmaceutical company develops a new drug, it takes several steps for that to take place. You have to go through a, a, a small batch startup, and you have to go through all kinds of different testing before you can ever manufacture the drug. So you have to go through FDA approval and different things. You have to go through test cycles and eventually using it on individuals to see how, the, how it works. So what happens during all this time is when the drug is finally approved by the FDA, you have to be able to ready to go to, mar or to, uh, to manufacture that drug. So in the background, while all this is taking place, the pharmaceutical companies are building plants. And these plants, if the drug is not approved, then those plants can't be used. Yeah. So people, are, these pharmaceutical companies are, are spending millions and millions of dollars to get ready to build a new plant for a new drug. If it doesn't go through FDA approval and it doesn't get the stamp, then all that money that they've put in and invested 
cannot necessarily be used in those plants. So people are always complaining about that, but our research and development and getting ready to bring a product to the market, it costs these companies a lot of money. I guess my next question would be, so what's the, the process of creating these standards? Let me just tell you how we, we did, for instance, when we developed the materials of construction. So when I first came here, I came to the BP standard with the, with the goal to get higher alloys, those alloys that are more corrosion resistant than 316L stainless steel addressed into the standard. So I started coming to these meetings and the place that I started was in the material, uh, material joining section uh, because they dealt with materials and that was the only group that did at that time. So it brought up higher alloys in the discussion and that started the discussion about higher alloys. Uh, and we started talking about welding those higher alloys, which then led to the discussion of the different types of materials of use and that they needed to be inserted into the standard. So once we finally got that determined that, yeah, we needed a section on materials to discuss different materials that, of construction that can be used for pharmaceutical equipment, and those are things like 316L, AL6XN, uh, 6MO, uh, C22, C276, uh, duplex steels, 2205, there's a, there's a whole list of them now in the materials of construction section. Hold up. All these numbers are material numbers and they are found in the code or standard. It is possible to test any metal and to determine its chemical composition and physical properties, then correlate it to a material number that is in a standard or code. The material code tables for ASME boilers and pressure vessels is in a book of over a thousand pages. Once you do that, then you have to start developing the content. And so it basically starts off with a task group. And that task group starts to develop the content of, of what needs to go into the standards. So, you know, you, you pick a topic, you start having that discussion with industry experts that are involved, and you start developing the content that needs to go into the standard. Uh, you know, what are the, some of the questions that, that people have about it? You know, can it be cleaned? How do you weld it? How do you, uh, surf it? How do you finish it? You know, and so forth. Um, and so once you do that, uh, then after a task group gets the content developed, they then take that to the subcommittee that's responsible for that group and they run that through the subcommittee members. And those subcommittees basically look at the information, they question it, they, ask, they uh, may make changes, they wordsmith it, they get the wording correctly, they make sure that it, uh, it doesn't conflict with anything else uh, that they're seeing within their parts and then they will vote on that. Um, and every member of the subcommittee has the ability to vote uh, yes or no, approved or disapproved. If you vote disapproved, then you need to give a reason why you're voting disapproved, which directs the task group to look at something specific then to correct that. Uh, so once it finally goes through that approval process, uh, you then uh, go to the standards committee. And then the standard committee basically does the same thing. They go through and they look at it. And in this case, it's the standards committee is made up of, of a chair of every subcommittee, as well then as other industry experts that's comprised of end users, uh, suppliers, fabricators, and so forth. And once that's done, uh, once it goes through that process and it's approved at the standards committee, then it goes up to the ASME board. Then the ASME board then sends a ballot out to all the members, and you look at that, and it's approved at that section. Uh, and then once it's approved, then it uh, has to go to the ANSI review board for review before it becomes part of the standard. 
Now, as BPE chair, one of the things that, that I do, I'm a member of the board on pressure technology. So, uh, as a sitting chair of, of BPE, then I also sit on the board of pressure technology. So, I have that, that ability to vote and then explain anything at that level to board members if they have any questions and so forth. So it's, it's a long process. It can take anywhere from, well, like I said, it can take anywhere from something that's very simple to, you know, uh, to uh, uh, two or three meeting cycles to five, six, seven years in order to get something in, depending on how complex it is. Who decides what the standard should be? The, uh, the members. The, mem yeah. the members. So this, the, the BPE is a consensus standard, mm -hmm. which basically means that it's a majority rule type of thing. Uh, we love to have 100% uh, approval on our ballots that go through because if you don't, it, it, it just causes someone to take a closer look at it, you know. But, uh, so we really try to work hard to get 100% consensus on our ballots. What's the basis for the standards? Well, the basis for the standard is cleanability and sterility. Yeah. So realistically, uh, we want to make sure that, we're, that the drugs that are being put out are, are safe and sterile, and they're, they're uh, you know, can be consumed without any issues. Um, so the real basis of the standard is cleanability and sterility of the product, of the equipment, I should say. Mm -hmm. And so how often do you guys uh, review, revise, and republish? Constantly. So it's an ongoing process that never stops. Uh, the standard itself is published every two years. So we have a two-year publication cycle. Uh, so once we get a standard done, and we're in the final stages right now for the 2024 edition. So uh, not only are we looking at 2024, but we're also looking at 2026. So we're always looking ahead as to the standard timeline and what we're at. So uh, since I became chair, one of the things I started doing was putting out a publication timeline. Uh, because, um, you know, we have a, a certain window that we have to hit in order to get the book published. You have to realize that ASME uh, is responsible for over 500 standards. So we're, we're just a small cog in that particular wheel, but we do have a, a cycle that we, we stay on and we try to meet. It's important that we, uh, we meet our publication timelines. So I started putting out a, a publication timeline on every meeting and giving everyone a, an idea of where we're at in that timeline. So where we're at right now in this particular meeting here at Scottsdale is that all content that's going to be in the 2024 issue has to go through uh, the, the subcommittee levels and to the standards committee level and be through that process by January so that when we meet in January we are able to address any negatives and comments that are in that and get those cleared out and then we finish that up with another ballot cycle and then we are ready to go to publication in May. But what's the, what's the basis of most changes that are made? You know, typically they're technical, technical uh, responses to technical issues uh, or clarifications sometimes. Uh, most, many of the times it's just the development of new content yeah. uh, where we're lacking uh, guidance. So, uh, you know, but everything is evolved around the technical aspect of the, the design and uh, build of equipment. And uh, do you ever, I mean, you mentioned trying to get 100% consensus, but do you guys ever have differences of opinion about what the standards should be and how do you resolve those? Constantly. Um, it's always an issue. Um, 
I mean, uh, you know, how we resolve it basically is this through discussion. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, as part of the, of the way we're set up, we have a executive committee. That executive committee is, is the leadership of the BPE, which is comprised of the chair, the vice chair, uh, and all the subcommittee officers. And so whenever there's a conflict uh, in, or question or, or they're needing guidance, that's typically brought up to the leadership meeting where we have a discussion. And uh, you know, at that time, we'll either agree on a path on the way that that needs to go. Uh, we can uh, uh, develop a task group reporting to the executive committee that will uh, look at that in more detail if we can't make a decision right then. We do, we do make some of those types of decisions, uh, but uh, in most of the cases, it's a, it's a consensus standard. And, uh, you know, like I said, we, we try to uh, resolve all conflicts as soon as we can. But, uh, so yeah, there's always an issue with, with conflicts uh, and the way it moves forward. You mentioned this before, but like how many people are involved in, in this process of making the standards? So BPE has over, <clears throat> Over 300 members. I think we're around 300 and I want to say 90 members, something along those lines. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's made up of, of all people from different types of uh, industry. And, uh, you know, we make up 11 different subcommittees. And so we're, uh, you know, even though we, we have that many people in attendance and doing things, you know, there's several people that work on several different subcommittees. So, but yeah, we have, a, we have a large contingency of people that work on the standard uh, as volunteers uh, and also, uh, you know, people that are not members that work in the background who, who want to be more involved in BPE and become members. So, you know, we have, do have a vetting process that we go through. Uh, we want to make sure that our members are here to work and not socialize. Uh, so, I mean, we get to go to some great locations. I mean, Scottsdale is a perfect place to be, you know, yeah. this time of year. So. Um, we get to go to some good locations, but it's not a vacation. Uh, most people are working, you know, while they're here. And, you know, you do, your, you do your committee work and you do your work while you're here. And then at night you go into your room and you do your, your daytime job work. So, you know, uh, it's, it's an ongoing process. The commitment here to BPE goes beyond, uh, you know, people have to really feel it and want to be involved and feel like they're making a difference or you wouldn't see them put in that type of effort, you know. Uh, it, it takes a lot to, to come to these meetings and to work. Uh, this is a, uh, a volunteer organization. So everyone that here is here with uh, the support of their own company. Uh, their companies uh, foot the bill for them to be here. And, uh, you know, so they're here to uh, advance. Uh, everyone's here for a reason. You know, I mean, yeah, we want to make a difference, but everyone is here because it can affect what happens within their own company. Uh, they, they may have a, a, a better widget, you know, that they want to try to, to get into the standard. But typically what we find, people will come here with a, uh, with a goal in mind, especially new people, to try to get something changed, and they'll get sucked in, and they enjoy the work, and they enjoy the camaraderie, and they enjoy the, the process and they become more and more involved. So you guys don't get paid for doing this? Absolutely not, no. No, the only pay is the good feeling that you have when it's all said and done, you know? It's like, um, you know, when with the COVID situation, it was, it was really good to know that 
we had a part in, in, in helping the entire world with this. You know, uh, it, it, it's a good feeling to know that you made a difference. Thank you.